Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, October 1st. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Got the Chiefs crew in today. Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Sam Mellinger are here to talk about Sunday's home game against the Patriots and how different this team operates with Cam Newton instead of Tom Brady, a quarterback. So plenty of Chiefs talk, which started as a Sportsbeat Live program. Plus, in honor of NASCAR releasing its 2021 schedule and Kansas Speedway maintaining two races next year, you'll hear each of the A-team's first or worst car. So, let's get started. Hey, welcome to Sportsbeat Live. It is Welcome to October. It's starting to feel like fall a little bit out there today. We're here to talk Chiefs. They got the Patriots on Sunday. They're coming off a resounding win over the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to talk all about that with... The usual suspects. Herbie Teope is here. Good morning, Herbie. Good morning. I'm only here for the candy corn segment. That's it. The candy corn segment. <laughs> okay, so we'll talk to you in about 30 minutes. Uh, Vahe Gregorian is here. What's up, Vahe? Where, um, I'm very stream of consciousness today, so you say the usual suspects, I think, Casablanca. There you go. Round them up. Round up. Round them up. We're here. Sam Mellinger is here. What's up, Sam? No, man, I don't have a witty comment right now. I'm sorry. Well, what good are you then? What good are you? Sam McDowell, what's going on, man? I'm, I'm really excited that Herbie's only going to speak during the candy corn segment. <laughs> well, i tell you the best part about that. It gives me 30 minutes to come up with a candy corn segment today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have one. So uh, while you guys are chatting, Chiefs, I'll be uh, working furiously to come up. Maybe, maybe our uh, – Readers, audience folks can come up with a good candy corn question for us today. I've, I've got a couple in mind. So, all right, Chiefs, Patriots, let's start where we always do, um, Herbie. Let's take, it, take us through the injuries. Uh, another, you know, some good news, bad news, as it always seems to be for the Chiefs, uh, especially when we're talking about the secondary. Tell us about it. Well, as our esteemed colleague Sam McDowell reported uh, on Wednesday, uh, they're down uh, rookie cornerback Legereus Sneed, who is on injured reserve with a fractured collarbone. He's probably going to be a short-term injured reserve type deal, and we're going to see how, it, how that goes. But the good news is Shaverius Ward is back to a full practice after being limited last week, and they also get Bashad Breland back after week four's game. Uh, Chris Jones was limited in practice on Wednesday with a groin injury, but that's a good sign that – you know, two days after suffering the groin injury, he was able to practice. So that's good. Alex Okafor is back to practice. He hasn't practiced since suffering a hamstring injury in the season opener. And the rest of the, all their players came back and they're practicing fully. The big one, obviously, is Andrew Wiley. They're starting right guard who was inactive Monday night against the Ravens with a stomach illness. He's back to a full practice. So he's probably going to be all systems go. Well, it just seems like, uh, especially with the cornerbacks, when, when the Chiefs get one back, they lose one, as was the case with, uh, with Charvarius Ward, who almost had an interception, got his hand on the ball against the Ravens, uh, and then Sneed goes out diving. I think it was on the play where he was diving for an interception attempt uh, with, the, with, the, with the broken clavicle. So um, uh, so it looks like the, you know, the Chiefs are hey, – hey, so with, with that, with the secondary – uh, issues, uh, injuries. I was looking at the uh, player participation, the snap counts from Monday night's win over the Ravens and saw where the safeties, they, the Chiefs played safeties in big numbers, right? Um, 
they had uh, Juan Thornhill and, and Teren Matthew, each with the 56 defensive snaps. That's how many the Chiefs had in that game. Daniel Sorensen with 46 and Tedra Thompson with 20. So it looks like the Chiefs made the adjustment with their shorthanded cornerback uh, group by, by playing safeties more often. Did you guys notice that? Well, the good news is you've got safeties there who can also double down against the slot. Tyron Matthew can play cornerback. Kendrick Thompson can play all three positions back there, cornerback, safety, uh, strong safety, and free safety. So you're probably going to end up seeing a lot more three safety looks because as of right now, the only healthy cornerbacks they have are Ward, uh, Bo Peep Keys, Antonio Hamilton. Obviously, we know Jerry Sneed is out, but they also have two cornerbacks on the practice squad. They could probably pull up if needed, but I think you're probably going to end up seeing a little bit more three safety looks against the Patriots. And, and Rashad Fenton as well. Uh, yeah, Rashad Fenton, that's who I was forgetting. Pro Football Focus had uh, 39 of Tyron Matthews' 56 snaps at slot corner. Uh, when he's on the field, they kind of feel like he's a, he's a corner. I mean, he, that's where he works out a lot during practice, training camp, all that stuff. So, um, and he can do the job. Like that's not an emergency feeling. I mean, he's a he's a stud there too. Chiefs are managing pretty well uh, with with this. Uh, it seems to me, and they they certainly did the job on um, on on Monday night, holding their third straight opponent to twenty points. Now that was a little bit of a uh, the Ravens came into the game averaging what thirty five and a half, and uh, and it was just a. Um, it such a great defensive effort by the Chiefs. We spent a lot of time talking about how well Patrick Mahomes played and I think may have been his best game as a Chief in the, in the regular season. I mean, the uh, just ex- executing the game plan flawlessly, I, I just thought he was fantastic. But uh, for, the, for the Chiefs to hold the Ravens to, what, about 225 or so total yards and Lamar Jackson to, to less than 100 passing, I, 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 what a complete game effort. You know, by the offense and defense. Special teams, of course, had their issues, but uh, that was a that was a thirty-four to twenty outcome that didn't feel like it was that close. Where, if you had said that after Lamar Jackson's thirty-yard run on like the third play from scrimmage, if you had said the Ravens are going to finish with one offensive touchdown, um, I, I would have said no way. I mean, it looked like they were going to really create problems. I mean, I, I knew it wouldn't be that easy, right? But it sure made you think they they had. Uh, some some inclinations, some notions of ways to get at the Chiefs that they never really did after that. You know, they tightened it up, right? Twenty was it got to twenty seven twenty in the um, in, in the second half. Although the Ravens never had the ball with the chance to to tie the game, uh, the, the the Chiefs were as soon as the Ravens made it twenty seven to twenty, the Chiefs responded with with the score. So, okay, um, let's uh, let's spin it forward and talk about this Sunday's game uh, against the New England Patriots. Sam Melliger, I, I just I, I got a chuckle this morning out of a tweet that uh, on, on your timeline. It seems like the NFL Network thinks the Chiefs are just I don't know, just big bad wolf now. The NFL and uh, and the Patriots have to save the NFL with a victory this weekend. Wasn't it? <laughs> I, I I had no way to react other than like hilarity. Like we live, like everything this year is screwed up. Right? Like nothing makes sense in the year 2020, and now we have somebody like on a on a league owned network talking about the Patriots are the plucky underdog that America needs to believe in itself, and the <laughs> franchise that gave us Lynn Elliott is, is just this fire breathing dragon that needs to be stopped at all costs. Like guys, what 
<laughs> what world are we in right now? <laughs> Man, team wins a Super Bowl, and all of a sudden, America just hates this team, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> And is is it the same, by the way? I know people have been talking about that, but I don't feel like the Chiefs have achieved that kind of status quite yet. I mean, like we're in Kansas City, obviously, like our perspective is a little bit different. But, um, I mean, just nationally, are they hated already? You know, this could be – One Super Bowl in 50 years? This this could be completely thrown off because they're my friends, right? But after almost every Chiefs game – I hear from friends in Philadelphia area where I grew up and some friends that I have in California that I grew up with and they love the chiefs. I mean, they loved watching the chiefs against the 49ers and they were 49ers fans. So it, that's an incredibly small sample size, but, but I don't, my perception from things like that is that this is such a fun team to watch that, that, that hatred's not really coming that way. They may feel like, well, they're so good that, you know, for the balance of the NFL, somebody's got to knock them off. Okay, but I, I don't feel like there's a lot of, you know, animosity towards the Chiefs just now. But you guys may have way different uh, viewpoints on that. Yeah, my, my view is just like you talk about like how much fun they are to watch. And um, I feel like if I lived in some other some other part of the country, that I would think of this team the way that I thought of the Warriors, um, at least before like Kevin Durant's heel turn, you know, like when they were just up and down the floor and shooting 40 footers and, you know, just having a blast and like changing the way that, that teams play. I, th- I feel like that the chiefs have some of that in them. And um, I don't know, man, like I, I just didn't know that the heel turn came already. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> like, you, you can't win one Super Bowl in 50 years now without like people hating you. It's crazy. Remember two years ago when the Patriots came in and, and tried to play the underdog role and it just didn't make sense at all? <laughs> Julian Edelman had like that T-shirt campaign and everything. Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Oh, uh, the bet against us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah bet, bet against, against us. us. <laughs> and like it just didn't make any sense at all at that time. You know what? Actually, to, to speak on that, the Patriots are the biggest underdogs this week in that they've been in 17 years in a football game. Since, since 2003, they have not been a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. Without Tom Brady, they were a big underdog the year that he was sitting out a suspension in one of those early games, but not like this. This is, uh, I wonder if Edelman will wear that t shirt under his uh, pads this week. Bet <laughs> against us. Well, you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd, have, you'd be betting seven and a half points as well, though. So he doesn't take that into account. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's look at this game and what, um, uh, what's what's at stake? I mean, uh, one thing we, when we talked about the Ravens game, we were obviously uh, comparing quarterbacks. The lab, the previous two MVPs. We talked about the kickers, uh, Butker and, and Tucker, and uh, the two best in the you know of all time in terms of accuracy. I think when when I my first thought about Patriots Chiefs is uh, what coaching matchup, right? Uh, number one and number two in uh, active coaches and career victories. Belichick and the, the last two Super Bowl winning coaches, last two Super Bowl winning teams going at it uh, on Sunday. Uh, interesting recent series between Chiefs and Patriots. They've played six times with Andy Reid as the coach of the Chiefs, and they've split those uh, games with the Patriots winning the two important ones, the two playoff games in after the 15th season and then the AFC title game for the, the 18th season at Arrowhead. But um, – <laughs> What's I mean? Could you describe it as 
a passing of the of the torch from you know from from the Patriots to to the Chiefs? Are we there as a you know have the, have the Chiefs done enough to to accept a torch? I mean, it's, or is it just a you know just a short term thing? And what what are we looking at here? Just a quick thought, Blair. I mean, quite obviously, if there is anything like that going on here, it has to include a cheap win this week, right? And maybe in some weird way, that's the that's the canvas that this game is being played against. Um, but I think they're in the process of making a case that this torch has been passed, right? I mean, it, it's just sort of interesting. Like, look at since since Tom Brady met with Patrick Mahomes after the AFC Championship game, right? You could, if you wanted to get fancy, you could think of that as a, a moment that, you know, some mystical thing started happening here. And uh, off go the Chiefs last year. Patriots weren't quite what they had been. And now it just looks like a different world. As Sam pointed out earlier, tilted uh, by 2020 circumstances. So it, it's, it, if this is what's happening, um, that gives this game a little extra heft. To me, the passing of the torch occurred last December when the Chiefs marched up there into Boston or, or excuse me, Foxborough and and beat them when Bashad Breland had that last second knockaway in the end zone. That's when the torch was passed, in, in my opinion, because that allowed the Chiefs to gain that momentum. And, hey, that we knocked the bully, you know, we, we got the bully off the block there and now we're on, a, on our way to the Super Bowl. With Tom Brady no longer there, the torch has passed. And that's that's the way I look at it. I thought it was interesting after the Ravens game uh, when when Mahomes met the media, or, or was it? I, I, maybe it was the Wednesday press conference. I can't remember because they, they happened so close together. But um, uh, but at one point this past week, Mahomes you know was asked about um, you know uh, his comparing him to Lamar Jackson. And of course, Jackson is zero and three now against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes said, you know, he he felt the same thing. Uh, going up against the Patriots and Tom Brady, and then he finally won. Well, it's just, you know, it seemed to me that when we have talked about those types of things in the past, we've we've done so in, you know, years of competition, right? I mean, you, uh, Sam, you had the, the note in the column last week that, uh, that Mahomes and Jackson were the youngest MVPs to face off against each other. I mean, by, by a long shot, right? The only two under 30, at the age 30, to have won MVPs and to square off against each other. But, um, you know, it just, it, there's, is there enough of a body of work between, you know, uh, between Mahomes and, and uh, you know, for Mahomes to say that, you know, having, you know, lost his first two games to Tom Brady and then beating Tom Brady in the, um, you know, in the regular season last year was enough to, I don't know, elevate him past uh, Brady and, I guess it's a long-winded way of saying I don't. I don't. I don't Patrick Mahomes is second to none as far as I'm concerned right now. And uh, you know, yeah, but when you wear the ring, right? Uh, when you are wearing the ring, that, that matters a lot. Uh, you know, it would be better for these rivalries if um, if the Ravens would have won on Monday. Um, you know, because now it is like you said, it's it's three zero. Um, you know, that can change quickly if it becomes three one and the Ravens win a playoff game. Um, which is entirely possible. Uh, but th- as far as like just looking at this game specifically on Sunday, when the schedule came out, uh, you know, and you see the Patriots, and I remember thinking, ah, it's not going to be the same, you know, like Brady's not there, whatever. But um, I, in, in some ways, they're more dangerous with this guy at quarterback, um, with, with the way that he can run. And, you know, he's not – He's not Brady in, in a lot of ways, but um, Brady's not him in a lot of ways either. And I think it's going to be 
Um, interesting to see how the Patriots, how, you know, I think the one coach in the league who's better than Andy Reid, um, who's, you know, had a, a, a bigger body of work than Andy, Andy Reid, um, how he schemes up, you know, these block, these blocking schemes that they've got, um, to, to create some space for Cam and, and Burkhead and all those guys. Uh, I just think it's a really interesting matchup and, and in some ways more interesting than if Brady was still a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not Brady, but he's also, uh, to me, better than what the 2019 version of Brady. Obviously, he doesn't have the career that Brady has, but Tom Brady wasn't good for the Patriots last year. And Cam Newton brings a different element. He brings a different element even than what they saw last week in Lamar Jackson, even though Juan Thornhill told us yesterday they prepare for him the same because it's just the threat of, of running the ball. But to me, I, I think that the Patriots are maybe finally going to be that team that sticks to a strategy that we all think could potentially beat the Chiefs. And that's just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. We saw him do it two years ago in the AFC Championship, despite having a pretty good version of Tom Brady at that point. But especially with Cam Newton now, I, I, I think this Patriots team is more dangerous than what I anticipated going into the season yeah. that they would be. And I think that they're more dangerous than other people are giving credit for just because Brady is now in Tampa Bay. Totally agree. And I also think just to, to uh, pivot off that real quick, um, I think the Patriots, as, as you noted from that last example, Sam, they'll have the discipline to stay with the running game if uh, they get down seven or ten, right? They won't They won't just throw everything to the wind because they got down in, in a way that I think is part of wh- what you need to be able to hang on and compete with the Chiefs. I agree. And, and Herbie, you can speak to this. I What the Patriots have done after losing – you know, players on, on the defensive side. They easily had the best defense in the NFL last year. They were on a record pace at midseason, as I recall, um, and still had finished with, you know, one of the uh, a terrific defense that, that uh, I think led the NFL in several categories. But then they, you know, they, they lose players to transactions, and then they, and then Donta Hightower and Patrick Chung opt out for the season. I was thinking, um, you know, this is going to be the Bills division uh, if with the, with the Patriots, but they have done a decent job on the not more than decent. They've they've been patriot like on on the defensive side this year. Yeah, when you hear about the next man up, that that sports cliche that you hear every all the time, next man up. The, the Patriots epitomize that, and that's that's because of Bill Belichick. You know, he he gets his players, and they buy into what he wants them to do. So, whenever I think it was what five or was it five or seven players that opted out up there in New England because it was, of, I think it was, eight. Uh, it was was it eight? It was eight. Okay. <laughs> When, yeah, and, and you mentioned Hightower, and, you, and we're not talking about your practice squad players. We're talking about starters here, and they're able to fill in there, and that's that's because of what they are. It's it's because of Bill Belichick and what he impresses upon his 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 troops, so to speak. I'll tell you, the Patriots are one yard away from being three and zero, uh, and if uh, you know, the, obviously the Chiefs win at Baltimore last week was probably the most impressive outcome of the NFL season. But if the Patriots had found a way to get in the end zone it, on the final play at Seattle two weeks ago. Man, what a great victory that would have been. And again, they, they lose that game by five, and they were, Cam Newton was stopped on the one-yard line. They had a one play from the one to get in. Newton kept it, and, and the Seahawks uh, you know, kept him out of the end zone. So uh, that, to me, is just classic Bill Belichick coaching. They, you know, they, they stayed in that game. They uh, they played that game all the way to the end, and and they were t- and, and Newton threw for like 397 in that game. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. 
Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. A couple other things about the Patriots. They are tied for first in the NFL in takeaways with seven. They've had defensive touchdowns in each of their last two games. Uh, Devin McCourty had a pick six in that Seattle game, and they recovered a fumble in the end zone last week against the Raiders. But the Chiefs, you know, that that uh, Darwin Thompson fumble against the Ravens was their first turn- turnover of the year. So the Chiefs are very, very good at protecting the ball, taking care of the ball. And, of course, as we know, Mahomes hasn't thrown an interception yet this season. So the other thing that really impresses me about New England they lead the NFL now. They're the least penalized team in the NFL, and they have not committed an offensive penalty this season. Um, that's, that's pretty stout. Um, pretty stout. So, do we, so I, I think we can agree that this is an offense that's better than last year's New England offense, and they haven't missed a step on defense, and yet the Chiefs are a big favorite. Um, did the Chiefs get too much of a of a regard coming off of the, the game in, 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 in Baltimore? It's a big number. Um, it, is, it's, it is a big number. Yeah, I mean, it's a really big number. I mean, you know, the spreads aren't necessarily, uh, you know, like a, a cold calculation of what the, the outcome is going to be. I mean, they're trying to even up you know, money on each side and all that. But, um, you know, it's a big number if the Patriots – do what we've been talking about. If the Patriots keep it on the ground, um, you know, uh, limit the number of possessions that each team can have and that kind of thing. But um, on the other hand, um, you know, I, I think that if you look at New England, you just talked about some of the personnel um, issues that they've had. There's a possibility that they just are not going to be able to keep up. That they can have an eight-minute drive, you know, that ends in a field goal or a touchdown or whatever, and then the Chiefs are going to have a 52-second drive that ends with McCole Hardman in the end zone. Yeah, uh, Cody and Drizzy reminds us that uh, Seattle did move the ball uh, at will against the Patriots. They yeah. did. Russell Wilson had five touchdown passes in that game. Also, the pick six, but uh, but five touchdown. How many? You know, that's all Russell Wilson does this year, right? Just throw five touchdown passes. <laughs> he's unbelievable in a game. What what a season he's having. We'll uh, we'll, we'll save the MVP race for maybe another week. But uh, uh, I believe two two top candidates have have emerged from that. So. Okay, uh, what are we giving? Are we giving the Chiefs' defense uh, um, enough credit? They they have. Uh, this is the first time that uh, Steve Spagnuolo's defense will have faced Cam Newton. The last time the Chiefs faced Cam Newton was that 2016 game at Carolina, and they've played him twice in in uh, in Newton's career. And Newton is 0 and 2 against the Chiefs. But defensive court. This would be the third different defensive coordinator to. Um, to, to confront Cam Newton. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I'm bullish on this chief's defense. I, we've, we've talked about it almost every week, but th- these guys are, they're stepping up. Chris Jones is playing, you know, next to Aaron Donald, as well as any interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, they've, they've made the back end work with, uh, with personnel. So 
I, I guess my only concern would be, you know, short week. It's the only time this season the Chiefs will play on a short week. They're playing a well-coached team. And, um, but I, I, I just, I think the defense finds a way to stop Cam Newton. What do you guys think? Uh, that was the best that the defense has played since Steve Spagnuolo was hired. Um, I think if, if you consider like context and, and opponent and, you know, if, if that's true, it's the best the defense has played in, in several years, right? Uh, there's a reason that Steve Spagnuolo was hired. Um, you mentioned Chris Jones and he's been incredible. Um, I think Frank Clark is playing is, you know, he's at the height of his powers. Like this is what they thought when they gave up the first round pick and, 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 and the big contract. I mean, what he did against Baltimore was incredible. I mean, they gave him basically an, an impossible assignment, right? Like uh, contain Lamar, Jack, contain like forget quarterback, contain one of the fastest players in the NFL. Um, also stop the run. And if you can, like get some pressure on Lamar Jackson. And he did all three. He was unbelievable. And Blair, you just brought up a really smart point too about just like the secondary. They've been making that work with, you know, being shorthanded and, um, you know, Juan Thornhill is going to have some weeks like he did uh, on Monday against Baltimore where he was great. And he's probably still going to have a week or two coming up where he, it, it's like it was against the Chargers where he just looks a little bit, you know, step off. But gosh, they're, they're making it work. And um, I, I was expecting like a little bit of a step back from the last, what, 10, 11 weeks of last season where they were really good other than the first quarter against Houston in the, in the playoff game. But um, gosh, they, they've been even better. Um, I, I think they've been really good every week. I think they're also going to get better once Willie Gay starts yeah. inserting himself into that defense. I mean, zero off, excuse me, zero defensive snaps in week one, six against the Chargers, nine against the Ravens. So there's a gradual increase as, as the season progresses, kind of like what we've been talking about from the very beginning. Grass Steve Spagnuolo's scheme and once he's inserted into that starting lineup, this defense is just going to be lights out. Yeah. And I thought the linebackers had a really good game against the Ravens. Um, Wilson and, and Neiman, that group, I just thought, and, and Hitchens, I thought they played, after not playing well in Los Angeles, I, I thought they came back and did a good job against the, against the Ravens. So um, what about a – I don't think there's much evidence of this, but what about a letdown factor? It was a big week, and we saw how Chiefs players, especially defensive players, reacted after you know after the game, and they 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 absolutely played the disrespect card using that ESPN Monday Night Countdown panel and um, everybody else who was picking the Ravens, and of course now they're a bigger favorite against the Patriots than than Baltimore was against the Chiefs. Uh, I, I tend to think that emotional factors like this are a bigger deal in college than in the pros. But could there is there a possibility of a little bit of a letdown in, for the Chiefs? I guess there's always that possibility, but but I do think uh, having this be a Patriots week is is good for them in that regard, right? It, it's not like the Patriots aren't going to have their full attention. It's not like they don't respect the recent history, the recent modern history of what the Patriots have been, and uh, they've got something to prove here. It's not like they they can just say, okay, we're we're good. I I, I think that they've got plenty of incentive. I'm trying to remember too. You know, I, I guess you can make the case against the Chargers. They were a little flat. Certainly defensively, they they sort of talked about that way at, in hindsight. But I, I have found it to be pretty rare that Andy's teams don't don't seem motivated or ready to play. Maybe, maybe that's recency bias, but I, I, shoot, it, it, it sure seems to me like they show up virtually every week. I agree. 
So Sean Schloss and Gabe Hancock have a couple of defensive questions. Um, Sean wants to compare this defense to some of those 1990s Chiefs defenses. Those were fantastic. Um, uh, I, I think I was the only one working here <laughs> in that time. But, Sam, you were following the Chiefs back then. Those are the Derek Thomas, uh, Neil Smith uh, defenses of the 90s. Th- those were terrific. But one thing that we know is that offense uh, was not built for playoff success, as we, as Chiefs fans painfully know. But that, those defenses of the 90s were, fin- were fantastic. Yeah, I'd slow down with those comparisons. Those 90s teams, they were shutting people down. Um, and, you know, the, the plan was to win a, win a game with 17 points back then. You know, um, And uh, they're not doing that now. And, you know, the, the first three weeks, if, if they get 20 points from each opponent from here on out, the Chiefs are going to win it pretty much. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah, when, when have the Chiefs been below 20 in a game that, that – uh, that Colts game last year. Yeah. I think that's the only one. I do. I, 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 I think, I think you're right. Okay. So, uh, conversation has been stimulating enough for me to come up with a candy corn question for the group. I know they can't wait. And, um, of course, you know, the, the origin of the candy corn question, um, uh, Herbie is the, uh, uh, is the member of this esteemed group that favors candy corn as his favorite Halloween candy. And this is just our way of never letting him forget that. <laughs> you know what, Blair? We should have some sort of graphic that has the, the look on Sam's face whenever Herbie said that. Could somebody screenshot it and send it to us? That should be – Neil, can you work on that? <laughs> that? This has Neil written all over it. That was on Twitter, wasn't it? Somebody screenshot it and, yeah. and tweeted it to us. That's right. Yeah. All right, so let's do this. Uh, in we'll we'll do the uh, we'll do the candy corn question and uh, give me a final score prediction. the The question is, I guess in in honor of NASCAR releasing its schedule for twenty twenty one, two races back at the Kansas Speedway next year, including the the fall race being later uh, in the year, October twenty fourth for twenty twenty one. I want to ask these guys what their first automobile was. Uh, or, or it's an option or their worst automobile first or worst car they've ever driven, um, that was in the family and, uh, uh and then give us a, give us a score and how you think the game's going to go. And Herbie, you lead us off. Oh, great. <laughs> hey, my first ever car, it was a pass down from my father to my oldest sister. And then eventually to me was a 1976 Ford Pinto Goodness gracious, those hatchback Pintos, if y'all can remember those. It was embarrassing to ride that thing, but you know what? It was it was a car, and when you're 16, 17 years old, you don't care. You just have wheels. Uh, and it was brown, a brown Pinto. Oh, my God, man. Anyway, uh, the final score, I'm going to go Chiefs 34, Patriots 27, so they'll win by seven. Wow, high score. Okay. All right. All right, Melly, what, what, uh, what was your first car? <laughs> uh, a uh, 1978 Buick LeSabre. Uh, it was white. Um, I loved this car. <laughs> like it, it's, it's still my favorite car I've ever had. That seat, the driver's seat, is the most comfortable seat I've ever been in in my life. Is is my grandparents' old car. Uh, then my sister had it. My older sister, uh, and then I got it. 
Um, by the end, it was it was rough. By the end, there was there was one time uh, I drove to school, and um, I guess like the hubcap just like when I pulled into this, you know, the hubcap just falls off and then just starts you know rolling down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walking into the school, and this girl like comes up running back. She's like, "Excuse me, excuse me, I think this is yours." Like, but I love that car, man. We we used to go out. We had open lunch because there was way too many kids in my high school. It was overcrowded. And we had, we had open lunch. I would take like literally like eight guys, uh, you know, to lunch just packed in this car. Um, but by the end, uh, it was in such bad shape. My mom paid $50. She paid a tow company $50 to take it away. Like, <laughs> not selling for scraps. I'll pay you. Here's money to take this car away. Having driven a Buick LeSabre, having had one of those in, in my life, those, you, don't, you don't park those as much as you do dock them. Yeah, that's right. right. It was such a great car, though, man. I miss it. All right, who you got on Sunday? Uh, Chiefs, like, um, I'm I'm picking this score intentionally just for the Patriots to cover. So, like, 27, because it's seven and a half, right? So, I'll say uh, 27-20. Okay. Okay, Vahe. Uh, My first car I got when I was out of college, it was a 1980 Honda Accord with 50,000 miles on it. Really liked it. But the first car I ever drove was the, the Gregorian family Malibu Classic. And Sam reminded me of this with that story. I, I once went on a blind date with an intimidatingly beautiful young lady. And we went we went bowling. And when we got to the bowling alley, I slammed the car into the curb, so nervous. And we got out of the car and she she was she she couldn't talk. She was laughing so hard. And she turned to me and she said <laughs> Don't you think you better take the car off the curb? (laughs) That that stands out for some reason. Wouldn't have thought of it without Sam's story. And one last thing, too much car for me, but my favorite car really was my uh, uh, Saturn that I had for 17 years and gave up very reluctantly when it just kind of ground to a halt at 250,000 miles. I, I, I hated giving that thing up. Okay, so note to self, uh, best and worst dates. For uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that wouldn't even be the worst date. Uh, uh, Chiefs thirty-one twenty-one. By the way, okay. We'll we'll have to bring Cindy specifically on the show if we do that segment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Mac. Um, my first car was the little Tyke Fred Flintstone car. I'm surprised none of you guys had it. Um, my actual I. I so the, the, probably the funniest story about my first car, because I just had a, a regular old Ford Ford Taurus used car, but I was so short when I was 16 that, I mean, you, I, I, I still get comments about how young I look, but I was, I mean, you can imagine how young I look at 16 and people like the looks on their faces when I get out of the car, like, oh my God, this kid has stolen a car. <laughs> but I, w- I, I was so short at 16. I think I was still like five foot flat that my dad had a certain budget he wanted whenever my brother, my twin brother and I were going to, to look for cars, but uh, they had to adjust that because we had to have the, the power seats just, just to get the seats high enough for, uh, for me to see over the wheel when I was 16. So that's how I ended up with the Ford Taurus. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you got winning on, um, on Sunday. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring just because I do think the Patriots are going to eat up some of the clock. Um, I'm going to say like 24-17. Okay. Very good. 
um, I'm in that neighborhood as well. So uh, my first car, my, my dad, uh, I have an older sister and uh, just, you know, only about a year and a half older. So he bought a car for both of us, a new 1976 Honda Civic. And we were so happy, thrilled. We shared the car <clears throat> until I put it uh, going 35 miles an hour to the back of a parked car one evening. <laughs> and so, and so after that, the, the next car that we shared was a 1964 Rambler. <laughs> I used to take back and forth to college and it conked out on me about halfway. College was about 200 miles away from where I lived and going home one weekend, it conked out. I left it on the side of Interstate 40 <laughs> and, um, and got a ride home. And then as I came back Sunday afternoon, it was still sitting there on the side of Interstate 40, 100 miles from home. Um, I just abandoned it at that point. So, <laughs> Wait, got a ride home? Did you? No, I, no I, 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 I made it to a convenience store and called someone to, to come pick me up uh, because uh, in, in uh, the late 70s, there were no cell phones to could you pull out of your pocket and, and you, have, uh, you have to walk you have to walk walk a decent amount to get to no the, no it was on an interstate it was it was near uh, it was near a, uh, an exit so i was able to get to a convenience store and and i think actually my dad came and picked me up and he just said oh, the hell with a car and we just left it there so to see it here two days later was I, I think blair i think sam still has a car on i-70 somewhere on the way to aci that might be my story for uh, best and worst dates. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, and I've got uh, I'm, I'm along the uh, the Sam McDowell line. I, I think uh, I've, I've predicted twenty four twenty for the Chiefs because I agree with Sam. I look, it's a uh, Bill Belichick, terrific coach. He'll he'll scheme up a plan this week to help uh, keep the, the Chiefs' offense off the field. I think he believes that's the best way to to stay close in this game. But in the end, there's just no preventing a, a Chiefs victory. So um, I believe that's going to do it for today. And we had a great time talking to you. Loved your questions and comments. I wish we could have gotten uh, to to more of those. Uh, Jeremy Barnes thinks the defense scores twice. I like that. Uh, I like that. And Brian LeBurge, uphill both ways. Yep, absolutely. Um, that's uh, That was my childhood. So Enjoyed it. Hey, for Herbie Teope, Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam McDowell, and our producer, Beth Welsh, we, we've really enjoyed this. And join us after the game, probably about an hour and a half to two hours after the game on Sunday. We will be back talking Chiefs Patriots. Take care, you guys. Have a good day. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to the A-team of Herbie T.O.P., Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger for Talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, every day you hear me talk about the Sports Pass offer. You know, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, including the E-edition that has so many pages you don't have time to read it all. Well, now we have an even better deal. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. So two deals on the table. The $30 a year offer still stands, and now there's a $0.99 cent per month offer. You can't beat that. Then there's the entire Kansas City Star product. News, sports, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these can be found at account.com kansascity.com slash subscribe 
And if you're having trouble hunting down these offers, send me an email, bkirkhoff, and that's K-E-R-K-H-O-F-F, at kcstar.com, and we'll get you to the right place. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription or any deal, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.